Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, our post-game edition. The Browns uh, falling to the Commanders on Friday night in their second preseason game. Uh, of course, a lot to talk to about this game. We got to see the starters on both sides of the football, or at least most of the starters. There's some injury news to discuss as well. So we're recording this about 45 minutes here before we talk to Kevin Stefanski. So uh, we don't really have a ton of clarity on a couple of the injuries, but we will get that uh, here soon, maybe. Sometimes we don't from Kevin. <laughs> Who knows? But uh, like I said, recording this before we talk to Kevin. Let's just start here. And I think we have to start with this. We started with this on our video uh, after the game, which you can find on our YouTube channel. If you search Cleveland Browns on cleveland.com on YouTube, uh, we've got to start with Cade York because I think we've all been pretty patient with this i think we've all been pretty fair to cade as he went through some struggles last year and then of course missed that kick in the hall of fame game last uh last week in week one in canton but mary Kay, it is a little concerning here that cade has gotten two chances between 40 and 49 yards and if we're being honest in the nfl you got to make those and he's missed them both and this is starting to get a little bit concerning with cade now kevin Gave no indication that they were concerned last night when he talked after the game. Gave no indication that they were looking to bring somebody else in. But uh, I, I think I'm a little worried that if they sort of just ignore this, this could come back to haunt them. Yeah, I think so too. But I will tell you what. I mean, I'm going to take Kevin Stefanski at face value. And when we talk to him today, I think he's going to repeat exactly what he told us last night, that they don't have any concerns about Cade York's ability to be their kicker this season and that they are not planning on bringing anyone in to press him. I don't think uh, that they believe that this is going to stretch into the season. And I think that they believe he's going to be fine. But on some level, I think that you have to be discussing what are your contingency plans and what are you going to be able to do if this continues on? Because if he goes out in Philadelphia and misses another kick, I think, you know, I think that you would have to acknowledge uh, that this is a concern and a problem. They are ready to take this team to the playoffs this season. And, uh, you know, you cannot have a kicker that is struggling or in a little bit of a slump or pressing or that you can't rely on. So it's something that they are going to have to really keep an eye on, but I don't think that they are in panic mode by any stretch of the imagination right now. So Ashley, I was thinking about this this morning. Um, You know, Mary Kay said the word contingency plans, right? Like there are just some things you can't ever plan for, right? You can't plan for every single thing that could happen in the NFL. It's just impossible. But There are some things, and we've had this happen with this team, and I'm sure it's happened with other teams as well. Like, sometimes you get into a season and it's like, oh, maybe we should have been a little more worried about this. Or maybe there should have been a plan B or plan C here. And When it really kind of did feel obvious, and this feels like one of those situations to me. Like, I'm not saying cut Cade. I'm not saying Cade shouldn't be your kicker week one. But this is something you can certainly plan for if it goes wrong. And I don't know that they should just kind of write this off as just some preseason struggles. Yeah, I think, you know, what I wrote last night with these misses, like at at the very least to me, it's bad optics, right? Because it's the second straight year that you didn't bring someone in to compete with him in camp, which like to some extent I get, right? Like you drafted this kid in the fourth round. Um, you obviously had a lot of faith in him to do that in the first place. But now, you know, there's a lot of draft capital tied up in it, too. Um, and the discussion around Cade since like late last year has been about figuring out these consistency issues like that, 
30 to 49 yard range was something he struggled with last year on his field goal attempts. It was where a lot of his misses came from. And it's like towards the end of last season, like the final three games, it seemed like he had figured things out. Like he told me, you know, when those misses were piling up that it was like kind of testing everything about his process was, was the language he used. But by the end of the final three games, like he was perfect on, I think it was eight total kicks. I don't have the numbers in front of me. He seemed like more comfortable, confident as they left Berea on getaway day too, especially, and that he had solved a lot of the problems. And I thought that, like the biggest focus for him at the time, which was I need to not be so focused on mechanics as the season goes on because I was getting into my own head, like a very plausible explanation. And it's something that Bubba Ventrone came in this offseason and those two seem to be on the exact same page about. Um, But when you go out there and the first two field goals you attempt in the preseason are wide right misses, um, at the very least, it's not a bad look. It doesn't inspire confidence that, hey, these problems have been solved. And I think at worst, it's that the problems haven't been solved. You know, maybe best case scenario, it's bad optics. And oh, I don't know, like his plant foot slipped yesterday or something. And and you chalk up the miss uh, in the Hall of Fame game to just jitters or something, right? But I think at the worst, it's that these consistency problems are still around. They haven't solved them yet. And it becomes, where do you go from here if you're the Browns and if you're Cade? Yeah, I mean, Mary Kay, at some point, like, it's pretty simple. You just, you've got to start making kicks. And, you know, I talked, I talked, I forget who I was talking to, but the old, one of my favorite Mike Pettinisms, maybe one of my only favorite Mike Pettinisms, is <laughs> trust is uh, lost in buckets and gained in drops. And that's sort of where I am a little bit with Cade. I think that's where a lot of Browns fans are with Cade. Like, even if he starts making kicks, like he makes three, four in a row, you're still kind of, it's just going to take a while for him to build that trust up uh, again, I think in Browns fans' minds. But also, again, nobody's saying to cut the guy or he's not the kicker, but I do feel like they've got to bring, they've got to do something. They've got to bring somebody in, like just in case that you can keep on the practice squad or, or something like that. Yeah, I think the the concern in my mind right now for Cade is one of the major reasons why you drafted Cade York is because of the big booming leg that he has. And we've seen him make those big long kicks in practice all the time. We were seeing them all last year. He was legendary in Berea last summer for the big long kicks that he was making. Then he went out in the pre in the uh, in the first uh game in in Carolina and he made the 58-yard kick at the end. And, you know, that's why you got him. And I think that that's, that's part of the reason uh, for the consternation right now. Uh, last year, he ended up going 10 of 15 from 40 yards or more. And I think that's where the concern comes in. From 50 yards or more, he only made four of his seven kicks. So this year, when you look at what's going on with him and you see that he's missed a 49-yarder, and the 46-yarder, that's precisely the reason why you drafted him, was to make those long kicks so that he could walk out there and do what we've seen some of these other kickers do in this preseason and know that he was going to be rock solid on those. Greg Zerline, former Browns kicker, uh, he made kicks of, I think, 53 and 54 yards for the Jets in the preseason opener, the 21-16 uh, victory over the Jets. Uh, he made those long kicks there. And the conditions were perfectly fine down there. And now, now last night it was wet and soggy, uh, but Joe Sly went out and made a 49-yarder not long after Cade York pushed the 46-yarder wide right. 
So the fact that he's now missed a 49 yarder and a 46 yarder and is over two on his field goals is in, in my mind, it's got to be at least somewhat of a concern. Why is that happening? I mean, you want to go down to uh, Cleveland Brown stadium and inspire confidence down there. You know, that's where he struggled at times last year. Uh, you know, I, I saw him sit down with um, Bubba Ventrone when he came to the sidelines. He, you know, he just had this look on his face and then, you know, he goes and he sits down with Bubba and, and Bubba was, you know, giving him some words of encouragement and, you know, maybe they were talking over, you know, what happened and how that went. But I, you know, I do think that even though they're going to say all the right things publicly, you have to have it at least in the back of your mind uh, that this isn't going right now exactly in the direction you want it to. Okay, let's switch gears. Let's look at uh, some positives from Friday night. Let's turn our attention to the starters who played. Uh, the offense played one series. The defense played a little more than that. Um, so let's talk about the offense. So it was most of the starters. Nick Chubb did not play. Joel Batonio did not play. Amari Cooper did not play. But Mary Kay, this offense last night, it all starts with Deshaun Watson, right? This was our first opportunity to see him since those six games last year, see him actually play in a game. And it did look a little bit more like Deshaun Watson last night. He seemed like he was in control. He seemed like he was decisive. We got to see him run the ball a little bit. Um, I don't know if that made people nervous or not, but he did a nice job protecting himself. Uh, it it just sort of looked it looked good. And I, I, I liked what I saw from, from the offense and kind of what this new playbook could look like. Yeah, you know, I've been harping on this for a long time, all offseason, actually. And that is the fact that they're basically unleashing Deshaun and they're letting Deshaun Watson be who he is. And that is an improvisational playmaker who will use his legs, his arms and do whatever it takes uh, to, to make the play and get the job done. And we see that, you know, that is so in vogue in the NFL right now, instead of the methodical drop back passer who, you know, you, you read off the play sheet and it goes exactly the way that you scripted it. That's not what's going on here. This is off schedule plays, off script plays. This is running around. This is some backyard football. And, you know, these are some of the fun things that you see from the Patrick Mahomes and the Lamars and the, Josh Allen's and Joe's and all of these guys, you know, this is what you're going to get from Deshaun Watson and they're letting him do it. They're Kevin Stefanski. Like, like Deshaun Watson said yesterday, they gave me the keys. Everyone's given me the keys and I am in control. So when I rewrote a Deshaun story, not rewrote, when I wrote a new Deshaun story this morning, based off of his press conference last night, I kind of, kind of wrote it that way that they gave him the keys to the car. He took it for a little spin last night, and now he's ready to open this thing up on the highway and see where he can take it. But that's what this is all about. This is the Deshaun Watson show, and we saw a little glimpse of it last night. And Ashley, I'm just thinking back. We saw so many different formations in that first series. Uh, they come out with Elijah Moore in the backfield, and he motions out. He was he was actually just playing a little bit of running back straight up. Um, we saw that we saw a snap in 13 personnel. We saw some 12. We saw some empty backfields. We, you know, it was a lot of shotgun, a lot of pistol. This was. You know, if people were concerned that this was going to be, you know, trying to shove Deshaun into this under center play action heavy offense, that's not what we saw in that first series last night. No, it just was kind of that. To me, it was that creativity that it felt like was lacking for, you know, a, the part of last year when Deshaun Watson came back, which I think, you know, we've talked about that. That was almost like by necessity because there's only so much you can change when you only have him for six games and he hasn't played 
in you know two years essentially so i really just think that that was good to see like right off the boat like when they threw two tight ends out there immediately i think they were like wait what's happening there's two of them out there um it was just strange to kind of see that and we hadn't seen it yet and then like you said elijah lining up from the backfield basically playing as their running back um and getting that little six yard pass on the first play there uh, I just really liked it. Like, it just seemed very methodical. Deshaun seemed very sure of himself. Like, I think it was good just to get those guys out there, you know, from the jump, even though it was only that first series. And I think we we're all kind of like in the same boat of not being like too concerned that that didn't end in a touchdown just because like four straight runs there at the end of the drive. If you have Nick Chubb in the game at that point, they're they're scoring there um, and they're scoring a lot quicker than getting a fourth and goal, I think. But I think it was just what what you want to see. And you got a glimpse of how they're going to line up Elijah Moore, I think, in different ways. That's going to be a big part of this offense. Yeah, and I mentioned this to one of my, one of the texters because um, they, they didn't love that the Browns didn't finish that drive. I also wonder if they just wanted to, if they said to Demetric Felton and John Kelly, hey, show us something here. We're going to hand you the ball, you know, show us if you can get this thing in there. Um, so, I, so I wonder if there was a little bit of that going on in that play calling down near the goal line. Mary Kay, Elijah Moore. Um, you know, Kevin Stefanski loves to talk about Percy Harvin. You know, and Percy Harvin was a guy who Minnesota used in a lot of different ways when Kevin was there. Uh, I'm pulling up his his stats here. He rushed the ball. He had 52 carries one season in Minnesota. Uh, when he There was one year where he split time between the Jets and the Seahawks. He had 33 carries that year. Um I feel like Kevin has always been fascinated by a player like a Percy Harvin that you can do things like that with. And I think Elijah Moore has a little bit of that in him. And we got to see that last night with, again, he was basically playing running back on a few of those and he took a handoff as a running back. Um, So I think, I, I just think Elijah really can unlock a lot of what Kevin wants to do. And I just, I feel like he's always been fascinated by these players who can kind of line up anywhere, do a bunch of different things. You can get the ball to them in different ways. And, and Elijah kind of levels that up a little. Yeah. I mean, he is the, you know, he was the star acquisition in the off season for all these reasons. And you're going to see so many different things that he can do. Uh, you know, you did catch the sneak preview of it last night, lining up in different areas, uh, running out of the backfield, all, all the different things that we have been watching him do in practice every single day. And I do think Kevin loves this. He loves the versatility. Uh, you know, Deshaun needed a, a receiver who could, uh, you know, maximize his potential and be there for him to do all of these cool things uh, that Deshaun is capable of doing. You have to have somebody that can match his skill set from, you know, from a multi-purpose standpoint. And that's what Elijah Moore is. That's why it was so scary uh, when we, you know, watched him walking into the locker room with that towel on his head in the, in the pouring rain. We didn't know at the time what was going to happen with him or what was wrong with him. He was walking fine. That's always a good sign, but you still never really know when you see a guy uh, going in after he visits the medical tent. Um, so the deal is the, the rib x-rays were negative. That's a sigh of relief for everyone involved with the Cleveland Browns. Um, but still, you know, I think that the fact that he had to go be seen in the medical tent and the fact that he had to walk into the locker room uh, you know, I still think that says to me that, you know, I just don't know if we're going to see him very much uh, when they practice against the Philadelphia Eagles Monday and Tuesday in Philadelphia. I mean, he might need a little bit of time just because the ribs are not cracked. And sometimes you need to get, 
you know, more tests on that, you know, sometimes you go undergo x-rays and then you have an MRI the next day, you know, like, so we don't know for sure uh, if he has to have some more tests or not. But, uh, you know, I think that he's probably going to be a little sore. If you think your ribs are broken, they're probably going to be sore. And they're, of course, going to err on the side of caution with Elijah Moore. So I wouldn't be surprised if he takes a little bit of a rest for a little bit of time. Yeah, I mean, as excited as we are to watch these practices, you don't win or lose anything on August 14th and 15th practicing against the Eagles. So, uh, you know, you we'll still get to see plenty and we'll still get to see sort of what, what some of this looks like. But, you know, you can't expose Elijah Moore to more, you know, to potential injury or, you know, maybe just never feeling great. You know, maybe they're bruised or something like that. And that still hurts like crazy. So you, you've got to give that time to heal so he can be 100% when you do get to the, the Sundays where wins and losses actually start to count. So uh, we'll, we'll kind of see what that looks like. Uh, but, you know, Ashley, just this idea of like, okay, if I'm a defensive coordinator, and I this sort of gets forgotten a little bit because 2021 and 2022 were so bogged down with different things. But if you go back to 2020, I thought Kevin was really good at sort of, I call it hunting matchups where he'd come out in like 13 personnel and use some pre-snap motion. And the next thing you know, Odell Beckham Jr. is being covered by a linebacker and it would, would be an easy conversion. And I think Kevin is really good at that stuff. And now you've got Nick Chubb and Elijah Moore and, uh, you know, potentially Jerome Ford. The, you've got these two tight ends who can catch the ball along with, with, you know, a couple other good receivers. There's just so much Kevin can do with just simple formations and motions and just lining guys up in different places. It's, it's kind of exciting to think about. Yeah. I know we talk about this team, this organization, this regime or whatever, like a lot of things they do are almost NBA like in a lot of ways. And hunting matchups is like the ultimate NBA thing to me. It's the first thing I think of. And obviously Kevin Stefanski's dad has his NBA background and made his career there and everything. So it's, it's just interesting, but I think it's also right. Like, that receiver room looks totally different and has guys with totally different skill sets. We talked about Jordan Akins is basically like another big body receiver who has this chemistry with Deshaun Watson. They're trying to use Nick Chubb in the past game more from everything we've heard. Um, and then Kevin finally has a quarterback that they could have more design runs for and, and everything like that. So I definitely think like when you have those different skill sets and guys who are good at different things, like, you know, uh, with Elijah Moore being the speed guy right now and um, being the really good route runner and Murray Cooper being a really good route runner and Donovan Peoples-Jones being a contested catch guy, um, Cedric Tillman being the physical get open at the top of the route kind of guy. There's all these different weapons that you can throw at teams in different ways. And I think that's where that versatility is really important on the offensive side of the ball. Okay, we're going to take a break and then we're going to touch on the defensive side of the ball and just peek ahead to those practices in Philadelphia. And welcome back to the Orange to Brown Talk podcast. Dan Lobby, Mary Kate Cabot, Ashley Bastock. I told you about our YouTube channel. Search Cleveland Browns on cleveland.com to find that. Follow us on Instagram. Just search Orange and Brown Talk uh, to follow us there. And then also become a football insider subscriber to get a newsletter, get texts, and get access to those stories that are behind the paywall at cleveland.com slash browns. Just go to cleveland.com slash browns and click the blue banner at the top of the page for all the info on that. And to get signed up. Okay, so defensively, Mary Kay, no Miles Garrett, no Denzel Ward. Uh, those were the big ones. Greg Newsom was also out. He was out for injury. No Grant Delpit in this game. He graduated from LSU. But still, 
we did get to see this defensive line with Zadarius Smith, Obo Garonquo. Uh, it was Jordan Elliott in the middle with Dalvin Tomlinson. I would assume eventually that'll be Shelby Harris in there with Dalvin Tomlinson, but we'll see how long that takes to get up to speed there. Um, again, it just looked promising with this defense. We didn't come away from Friday night thinking, uh-oh, this didn't look great. I came away feeling pretty good about what I saw from the guys that were out there on the field. Yeah, I mean, again, sometimes in preseason, obviously, you have to keep everything in perspective. And it's not like they were going against, um, you know, Aaron Rodgers or Lamar Jackson or Joe Burrow in this game. They were going against Sam Howell, who they don't even uh, know for sure over there in Washington if he's going to be their starting quarterback. Uh, They don't have a very good offensive line. So this wasn't the cream of the crop offense. Uh, but you still saw plenty of things from this Browns defense and plenty of things without many of your key players out there. Um, so again, in, you know, you did not have Miles. You did not have Denzel. You did not have Grant. You didn't have Greg Newsome. I mean, there were a lot of starters missing from this defense, but you saw some good things from the newcomers. You still have even Shelby Harris waiting in the wings to move in there into that spot where Jordan Elliott was next to Dalvin Tomlinson. So this was a, you know, a good little glimpse into a few of the newer guys like Z and Oboe. I mean, you saw Z have to get held for a safety for two points in the end zone. Otherwise he would have sacked Sam Howell. I think that's good. Uh, so you saw some guys get their feet wet, but you didn't even see anything close to what this Browns defense is going to be all about this year. And maybe, you know, they probably want it that way. They want to spring this defense on Joe Burrow on September 10th and have you know him not be ready for what's about to hit him, literally. So um, some good things you know from a number of the guys. Obo started off with a good play. Uh, Z did some really good things, but you know it's just there is so much more to come from this Browns defense. Yeah, and we, you know, we saw Jeremiah Usukormoa make a play, which which was good to see. Mike Ford, actually, uh, seems like he's going to be a pretty useful player in that secondary. He was working in the slot uh, with Greg Newsom out. So, uh, Ashley, what did you see from the defense that you liked? Yeah, I mean, I think it was just, like, getting a better glimpse of, like, that front of the defense and how they're going to use those guys. And, again, I think, like, they're still – overall in the preseason, like you're not going to see everything, right? Like it's, they're not going to give everything away. It's going to be very base level for the most part. There was no Miles Garrett, like we've talked about. Um, but I, I think when we talked to like Zadarius Smith and Obo Okoronkwo after the game yesterday in the locker room, like you could just feel like the excitement from just being able to get out there, number one, and hit guys who aren't on their own team. Um, because at this point in camp and, and preseason, I think these guys get sick of that. Um, but I just think that it's that glimpse of that aggressiveness that we know Jim Schwartz wants this team to lead the league in, so to speak. He wants them to lead the league in those intangibles, which he talked about the last time we talked to him. Um, so I think it was just, it was promising. Like it was what you wanted to see. You even saw Jim Schwartz get a little fired up on it. It wasn't the first string defense anymore, but when Jacoby came in and, and led the commanders on that scoring drive, his first time in the game and Jim Schwartz was not happy. He was fired up. And I think, that's what these young guys need and, and guys who are learning how to play together need. So I think overall it was just for me, the front of that defense and what it looked like. Yeah. I mean, obviously all of this is hedged with the, you know, on top of maybe you're not always going against the best of the best. You're also not getting game planned for, you know, these teams aren't spending 
the week getting ready to go against you. But um, so everybody's kind of just doing what they do. But it was still encouraging to see, especially Zadarius uh, play really well in this game and, and some other guys as well. Okay, we need to preview real quickly these Philadelphia joint practices. So wh- what are you watching, Mary Kay? What's the thing you want to see when we get to Philadelphia on Monday and Tuesday and these teams practice against each other? Well, you know, for starters, once again, you know, I'm always so QB centric. We really need to see how Deshaun Watson is faring against a really, really good defense. Um, Pretty sure they led the NFL with like 70 sacks last year, if I have that right. Uh, This this is a, a really solid, strong, aggressive defense that, you know, Jim Schwartz spent a lot of time and some of these guys that, um, you know, that are still there, you know, Fletcher Cox and some of these guys played for and still love uh, Jim Schwartz. So, you know, you're just going to see a really good defensive team going up against the Browns offense. Now, the thing is, as I mentioned earlier, I don't know if it's going to be Elijah Moore. The, you know, the Deshaun Watson to Elijah Moore show has been the highlight of camp. I don't know if you're going to see that in, uh, in Philadelphia because of what happened with Elijah Moore, but certainly you've got plenty of other guys that can go out there and try to make some hay against a really excellent, excellent defense from front to back. And um, as we all remember from last year, you know, these were the most important practices of camp. It was a really great barometer of where the Browns are and how far they need to go. Um, so that's what I will be watching. How does Deshaun fare uh, and how does he move and how does he you know, maybe score upon in two-minute drills this excellent, excellent Super Bowl runner-up championship caliber defense. Yeah, Ashley, I could go through a million matchups that I'm interested in seeing. In a lot of ways, I feel like the Eagles are sort of a, I feel like there's a lot of similarities between these two teams. And there's a couple areas where I would say the Eagles are probably slightly better, but then you could probably make the case there's some areas where the Browns are slightly better. But I'll let you go first here. What what are you kind of watching? Well, that's nice, Dan. <laughs> yeah, I, I think when I think back to those practices last year, I mean, the the Eagles pass catching core to me just like, won about every battle they could against the Browns defense. So I'm curious this year, we talked about like AJ Brown last year, Dallas Goddard, these guys like kind of felt like we're having their way in a lot of these drills and, and the 11 on 11s, whatever in these joint practices. So I'm really curious how the defense is going to fare against this Eagles offense. And and obviously, you know, Jalen Hurts being out there and everything like that, another mobile guy, um, it's a good test. So I think to me, when you look back to last year, that was the thing that it was the first like sign of, hmm, this might not be as far along as everyone thinks it is and saying it is on the defensive side of the ball. So I think it's a really good measuring stick in that way. Yeah, the, the Philadelphia pass catchers was one that, I, you know, you've got eight, you mentioned Brown and Goddard, Devontae, Devontae Smith, um, they – AJ Brown, especially those guys had a field day last year. So this is a good test for this, for this secondary Mary Kay. And again, with, you know, Greg Newsom is out, but you you know, you still got your safeties. You still got, you know, some corners. I mean, you've got Denzel Ward and Martin Emerson. Those are probably your two out starting outside corners anyway. So I'm, I think that's going to be a really fun matchup. Yeah, I think so too. Um, I did ask AJ Green last night if he was going to be able to play. And he said he thinks he might be able to get out there, even though he left last night's game with the shoulder injury. So they might be a little down on their cornerback depth. I don't know. Greg might be able to do like a little bit of individual stuff uh, this week. But like you said, 
Martin Emerson and Denzel Ward, those are pretty good cornerbacks uh, to pit against uh, their pass catchers, both of whom I believe have Pro Bowl ability. I think Martin Emerson is on that trajectory where he's going to make a Pro Bowl at some time uh, in the near future. I really think that uh, he's headed in that direction. So I, I can't wait to see him against those guys. And, you know, I mean, I think it's kind of fun to watch, you know, the two quarterbacks that have some similarities. You know, you've got, uh, you know, two really, really excellent quarterbacks with dual threat skill sets. And I think that uh, Kevin Stefanski has probably watched what the Eagles have done with Jalen Hurts, how they've played him, how much they run him. What do they do with the RPOs? What do they do with any of those kinds of things? Um, and, and I think that, you know, he has borrowed some some pages from what they do. So I think uh, it'll be interesting to see how uh, how the Browns defense and the defensive front fares against Jalen and those guys. So the trenches is big too. And I, I pulled up PFF's offensive line rankings and for coming into this season, and this is their number one and number two offensive line. Um, it's, it's Kansas, it's Philadelphia, number one and the Browns number two. So, so you know, and we know both sides have pretty good pass rushes as well. Um, so, you, you know, you've got the Eagles who maybe have one of, if not the best defensive lines in football, the Browns who have sort of built that, you know, they still need to put it all together. We haven't seen it all on the field yet, but uh, on paper, it's one of the best defensive lines, certainly in, in football. So those, those trench battles are going to be really, really interesting. It's going to be good on good um, when, when those two, two go against each other. So that's going to be exciting to watch. And listen, this is... We, we've talked about this, and I think in the moment last year, maybe, I know I kind of did, I downplayed it as well. It's just sort of training camp, whatever. It felt like the Eagles came into Cleveland, and in hindsight, it certainly showed us something. The Eagles came into Cleveland, and they were the tougher team, and they were the better team, and they kind of pushed the Browns around. And I, I know the Browns left those practices feeling like they just went up against a really good football team. And I think, Mary Kay, that's another big piece of this. I want to come away... We know that Nick Sirianni's team is going to be tough, and here's all the cliches, tough and gritty and blue collar. I want to feel that way about this Browns team, too. I want to see them push back a little bit. I want to see them get a little chippy. I'm going to sound like Lance Riceland. If they got to fight a little bit, that's okay. Not like Freddie Kitchen style, but if they need to, to do some pushing and some shoving, I just want to, I want to leave this feeling like this Browns football team has some real toughness to them. Well, this will certainly be the opportunity to show that. And Jim Schwartz always talks about that with his defense. He wants them to be tough. He wants them to be nasty. I think they have that element now. I think even bringing in a guy like Z gives you a little nastiness factor uh, that maybe you needed. Um, and, and I think, you know, things have changed since last year when the Browns matched up against the Philadelphia Eagles and were overmatched by them in some respects. And that is now they know that Deshaun Watson is their quarterback for the whole entire season. Uh, you know, they've got Elijah Moore. They've got an upgraded pass catching core. They've got many new players on defense, uh, especially along that whole defensive line. I mean, Jim Schwartz must have just come in, come in here and said, oh, no, 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 no. This isn't working for me. And I mean, they just and it's the gift that keeps on giving. Now they've got Shelby Harris in there. Um, so their defensive line is way better than it was last year going up against this really good Philadelphia offensive line. So I think it's going to be more evenly matched this year. And I think the Browns are going to have a pretty good idea when they leave Philadelphia, uh, if they are a 
Super Bowl caliber team. They're going to know because it takes one to know one and they will be up against one. Yeah, Ashley, that's just a, again, it's just that toughness. It's that, let's see what other cliche. I want the Browns to bring their lunch pails to these practices. Yeah. That's what I want. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of one to be the mentally tougher team and come out there and, and bring those lunch pails. I'm, I'm like, gosh, you can throw like any cliche you want in there. But I do think like it's, it might sound cliche or stupid, but it is a big part of it because I don't think anybody came away from those practices like feeling super good about where the Browns were and then the Eagles go to a Super Bowl on top of it. So I I don't know. I do think that stuff is is cliche and kind of corny, but it is true to some extent in these joint practices. It's a good measuring stick for that. Another cliche. <laughs> All right, well, then we got to stop. We got to stop before we get into too many cliches. The Browns are going to ramp up here in Philadelphia um, against the Eagles. One more. Okay, that'll do it for this edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I told you about the YouTube channel. Search Cleveland Browns on Cleveland.com for that. Follow us on Instagram. Search Orange and Brown Talk. And then, of course, become a football insider subscriber texting the newsletter and access to those stories at Cleveland.com slash Browns, which is where you need to go. Just click on the blue banner at the top of the page there to get all that info and get signed up. So, and then, and then just real quick, uh, it's, it appears that Jacob Phillips uh, may have torn his pec on Friday night. Uh, we saw him leaving with the sling with an injury, Ashley. I mean, just another tough break for Jacob, who just hasn't been able to stay on the field. Yeah, I mean, he has, you know, those injuries have piled up for him. And unfortunately, they've been really impactful in terms of the amount of time he missed. It ended his season last year. Um, was it the biceps the year before, yeah. Dan? It was before I started covering the team that he had that. But yeah, it's been a a tough break for a guy who last year it seemed like they really wanted to start at that middle linebacker spot and just hasn't been able to stay healthy. Yeah. America, obviously a guy they really like, but it just, it just, it just hasn't happened for him. And this is just another really tough break. Yeah. I, I wrote in my, when I rewrote the gamer this morning, I said it, it is possibly another torn pack and that was the fear. And that's what it's turned out to be. And um, apparently, and so, you know, that's really unfortunate. Uh, for Jacob, he was, you know, fighting to make the team as it was. And, and now, um, you know, now they're going to have to do without him again uh, for probably most of or all of the season. So that's really, really unfortunate for them and him. All right, we got to go. We got to Zoom with Kevin here in about 10 minutes. We'll get some more info on that. So for Mary Kay and Ashley, I am Dan. Thanks for listening.